Like basically nothing's going to stop me from working towards that. And once I figure out like the way that works, I, well, I know that like at least works for me at this moment. So I'm going to stick with that. So it's, you know, you were, you were actually just saying about how you decided you didn't want a coffee in the morning. Is that what it was? So you're, yep. you're, you're, Changing you're getting out of the routine, rut. getting out of the rut. That very. What's, do you ever listen to Andrew Huberman? No. Uh, he's like a, a neuroscientist and he's got all these kind of, you know, these kind of hacks to have a better life. And one of his is, I think one of his is don't have your coffee first thing in the morning. But where did you get your idea of not having coffee first thing? Uh, so, yeah, the idea was to simply not do coffee because I'm going to have a coffee at some point anyway. What about the other things that I might not do? And the big thing was like, okay, don't start my day with a coffee because I know I should at some point in my morning do some stretching, do some strength and mobility exercises, even if it's just do some housework. You know, there's things that I want to do to get my day started, feel like I'm being productive, and there's a good chance they're not going to happen unless I force myself. But a coffee, that's going to happen regardless. Mm, so I was like, I I'm not so going to start my day with a coffee. The very first thing will not be that routine of pouring myself a cup of coffee. So that, in in effect, allows you to get the other things done first, and the coffee becomes the the reward to then carry on. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about it as a reward, but I guess yes, because it's still like, okay, now I'm starting my day with the the things that I can just enjoy without any effort. Okay, interesting. The other rut we were talking about was I haven't ridden midweek during the day in like a while. It's I've done a few night rides and actually just been doing these night XC races. And, you know, it's winter here. And yeah. like if the sun's not blazing down, I'm not in the mindset where I want to get out midday to ride. Where actually with the way I structured my life and obviously break ace we we can work in the morning and we can work in the evening which means allows the middle of the day for riding but you haven't ridden midweek during the no, day either both of us are in this same rut where yeah. yeah i've gone out i've joined done some night rides because that's the social thing that's when there's a bunch of people riding but dark cold i did have a silly crash a few weeks ago because it was too dark and i didn't really pay attention to where the pet guys in front of me were going but midweek, I've got this opportunity. I can go for a middle of the day ride where, okay, it's not hot, but it's perfect riding conditions. Sun's out, even if it's a little wet, it's still a lot more enjoyable than riding in the dark, but just haven't made it happen. Yeah, that's that's a rut to get out of because I think it's, it is nice to, like obviously when we've, by running our own company, we're, able to have that flexibility and obviously we have to do things at night anyway because we're on the other side of the world compared to everyone else that we talk to so we have to do night things so if we just make the the day from like 7 a.m until 11 p.m wow we need time to get some sort of exercise in anyway so maybe we should get out for more midday rides yeah and for me that's been like the last couple of decades of working with people in different time zones around the world and so even when i was in north america or in europe I was working with people who were in Australia or North America or Europe. There's the general major areas where 
things are happening. And so, yeah, it's, it's normal. It's not like it's, oh, I've got to adjust to this new thing over the last couple of years. But it's hard to get into a, a routine that is flexible. Like it's contradictory. But yeah. we've given ourselves this ability to be flexible. But it also means it's hard to have a routine. But the routines needed to be able to make things happen. Like, okay, I'm giving myself a couple of hours off work to go for a ride. Mm. I think we'll have to leave that one as a work in progress because I'm, <laughs> I would still, I would for myself, I would have to figure out how I'd make it happen. But I know also yeah. another rut that I'm stuck in is when I go actually riding. I always ride the same trails in the same way. Interesting. Do you do that also? I do not. Uh, I am very much a every time I do it, I try and do something different. Unless, like, if I'm, there's times where I'll just say, I want to just practice riding fast. And so that's the, like, okay, I might go and do a few different rides. And every time it's the same couple of trails. And I'm just working on those exact lines that I just want to get right, that I want to commit to. But generally, no, I'm the guy that's trying to find that little route to air off or an outside line that just is big wide loose thing i can slide around or you know a sneaky inside yeah that's it was actually a discussion i was having this weekend about well, how do i get better and i was like well just go and ride things differently yeah yeah absolutely i guess like obviously that's what the the key opportunities would would allow you to do and be like hey well you are trying to get faster here's where you can try that. And obviously the thing that you're doing could be improved. So try something here. Yeah, absolutely. I still just ride the same trails though. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally stuck in a rut. I like to, I what I like to do. It's a bad thing, riding the same trails. I think it's something a lot of people don't do enough of. Ah. I know many people that's like, no, no, we rode that one already. I was like, yeah, but ride it again yeah you got less oh, to think about you get to just get in the zone yeah that's what i really processing like as much exactly you're you're more riding by prediction where you kind you are anticipating you know this is actually interesting thing with sports science and i guess what would the actual sub study area be uh motor motor learning uh or uh, motor control something like that Sorry, I can't remember the term, but it, it, it describes how people execute physical movements. And if you look at the best soccer players in the world, yeah, they're incredibly fit. And yeah, they're incredibly skilled. But the thing that they excel at more than someone who's an amateur of the same fitness level is that they have the ability to predict what is going to happen before it actually happens. So if you think of a soccer player, they are instead of where their eye gaze is, they're, they're more looking at things that an amateur wouldn't. So the amateur might be looking at uh, the ball, where which direction is the ball going to go, because then I can react to it. Whereas the professional and the, the best one, they're looking at what is the other player about to do with the ball and where will the ball be? So that means for you know maybe a split second or, or a second, they're already ahead of where the amateur would be because they know where the ball is going to be. And that comes down to practice. I'm not saying... That's what I'm doing, but I'm saying it's nice to be able to like not really have to look at at everything and predict everything. It's nice to like ride the trail and just kind of I know what's going to happen because I've done yeah. this. Before. What do you mean you say? Okay, you're not at that 
like, okay, I just know this is what's going to happen. But it's always that little bit closer to it. Every time you do something, you've got that, okay, I know that around this corner there is going to be that tree. So instead of being surprised by it, I'm going to be ready. And then, oh, okay, sweet. Now I'm writing the next thing. And I barely even noticed the tree, even though you are thinking about it. But that subconscious preparation means you're not focused on it. Yeah, And yeah, this idea of like these pro soccer players makes sense to me. When he said that, I was like, yes. So when I moved to Canada, I'd be watching a bit of hockey, so ice hockey. And growing up, I'd watched a few games, played a bit of Nintendo hockey. Oh, how never good. Never really made sense. Just good fun, smacking a puck around. Then I started playing it in my lunch break. And I was like, ah, now I get how the game works. I could actually watch hockey and instead of trying to keep focus on that tiny little puck that's been smacked around, just by knowing what all of the players on the ice were doing, I knew where the puck was. And it suddenly became so much easier to watch the game because I knew what was happening. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I and guess I, I do not play hockey well and I <laughs> definitely don't totally understand it, but even that basic knowledge was enough to make a massive difference to be able to predict what was happening. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, I guess one of the, the downsides of only riding the same trail. And here, here, let me tell you how bad I am actually at the moment, because I haven't ridden my mountain bike outside of Rotorua only maybe like a handful of times in the last year and a half. Right. So I'm riding like very similar dirt, very similar trails. Like obviously there's like a wide range of things, but you know, what, what I'm finding is I'm very much stuck at like, literally we have ruts, right? We have heaps of ruts in Rotorua because of the soil. Shoulder but, deep in some places. Yeah. 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 They're, they're really deep. I'm literally like stuck in a rut in the terrain that I ride. And this is one of the problems that we found with professional mountain bikers. So especially in the U S where it, you know, let's say you want to be the best in the U S. Okay. It's a huge country and the terrain is so variable. So we see this kind of this divide between riders where someone will be really, really good on the East Coast where it's less steep, really, really bumpy, really, really rooty, really, really rocky versus someone who might be from, from the West Coast where it's rocky, maybe a little faster, uh, still really bumpy, but mostly, you know, bigger, steeper kind of thing and looser soil. And what happens is someone will get really really good and be the best on the east coast and this was the case for Seamus Powell from the giant factory team who I coached for you know six or seven years he won the national enduro championships on the east coast he would go to the west coast and he really struggle because he didn't spend much time he basically 10,000 hours the the east coast and go to the west coast and it's like you're you know like riding a different thing Yo, just a quick pause. I want to remind you of the gentleman's agreement. So the gentleman's agreement states that we give you this podcast episode for free. Please help us by giving us a like or a follow on Instagram so we can boost up uh, where we are in the algorithm and have break a scene by more people. It's actually an extremely small proportion of our listeners follow us on Instagram. So this is Demystifying MTB presented by Break Ace. Rowan and I spend most of our time working on break ace like literally most of our time and the rest of our time while well, we do this podcast for fun and then we have lives separately 
uh, when we can. It's a big job and we've got a lot to do. But we really want to give you this free podcast. So if you could really give us a like and a follow on Instagram, that'll help really boost what we're doing with Breakcase and make this podcast continue. Breakcase is all about democratizing flow. So you can own the mountain. So go check it out on breakace.com. Check us out at breakace on Instagram. Give us a follow. Share us with your friends. And we can continue doing all this stuff for you. Now back to the show. Yeah. That's a difficult rut to be in. I think I'm pointed that way as well. It's a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, all those skills you've developed, you've got your trust. But you trust because you've got this expectation of what's going to happen. You've got this prediction. But you change some of the variables. Like the obvious one is going from soft, loamy, grippy dirt to hard, loose on dry, gravelly stuff. And you push into a corner and it's a very different feeling, not just in terms of traction, but also in just how the bike moves as the tires sort of dig into the dirt versus slide across it a little. And it's just as soon as there's that little change in feeling, your expectations you realize aren't going to be true. Something's different. And so then what do you do? And yeah, the top level riders just already know in advance, they've got an expectation of what's going to happen. Plus with the experience of riding in all these different conditions, it feels normal, even though it keeps changing. But yeah, definitely see that you just change, go to somewhere where it's looser and people will be just riding without even commenting about how slippery it is. And you go to somewhere else that's normally got lots of nice loam, tacky dirt, and it gets dry and gravelly and everyone's like, whoa, watch out, it's crazy, it's slippery. And it's just that, what's normal. Yeah, it might be normal for you somewhere else. Yeah, and then you will look at the, you know, Pacific Northwest, BC area, what just massive lines, crazy steep stuff, big rocky slabs, super steep, big gaps. And like, well, yeah, you can't just go and do that anywhere in the world because the dirt might not even hold up, but also just change to a different type of rock and suddenly you don't have grip if it gets a little wet or if it gets, you know, whatever plants growing on it changes around the world. So, yeah. However, you say you're stuck in a rut riding in Rotorua. It's not a bad place to be stuck riding. No, it's not. There's a reason it's so popular. Yeah, yeah. And there really is a big variation of trail. But, you know, my other rut is that I only ride the same ones. I need to get out to like, well, it's, you know, I ride, you know, 30 or 40 different trails, right? So it's not that big of a rut. It's a, it's a, it's a vast rut, let's say. But, you know, there are, there are more out there. And there, I, I generally tend to ride the ones that I feel more comfortable and more in control in. So that kind of terrain, I'm, you know, I've 10,000 hours in a way. And then the other kind of terrain that, I, I, you know, I don't venture into, which is probably the more, you know, the straight down stuff where it's straight down the mountain, where you don't really get a good bang for buck for the climb back up. I generally like, well, I got like four runs in me today. I'm going to do the ones that last a long time. So I kind of stay away from those real steep ones just for the sheer fact that I want to descend more. Yeah. So maybe I and even though if they today. used to be easy, you wouldn't even think about how steep they were. You go exactly. back now and you're like, oh, yeah, bit spicy. It's a steep. I don't know if I want to ride down this. And you still yeah. do it anyway and you're in control, but it's just that little hesitation. Let me ask you this then. You said you've been doing some night races. 
do you feel like the races are just on the trails you feel comfortable on or are you noticing that if they change to a different trail you feel unprepared interesting uh they're generally like they because it's at night they do keep it on like the easier trails for sure like they're definitely easy and it is a little more spicy riding it at night slightly i guess uh but you know they did change the track that they use so they do like a cycle of four weeks in a row of the same track and then they change it and we got to the new one this was last weekend and luckily i had ridden the trails but i didn't know where where we were going i didn't didn't know what to anticipate so we found ourselves on this one trail flat turns at the end and it's it was also difficult to see where we were going and i just felt like i felt so silly because i wasn't able to actually predict where the trail was going because i couldn't see i didn't know it or anything like that so i guess i didn't feel more scared because they were generally really easy trails but it was different when they changed the track because now i didn't know where i was going and it suddenly you know you're not applying your power appropriately because you're jamming on the brakes at the end because you don't know where you're going yeah because i think of this analogy of the you know like a pro soccer player being able to know what's going to happen with the ball without even having to look at it and sort of having the the control skills that you can practice you can go to training work with the team and have everything work totally smoothly you can be in the perfect position to get that pass cross it to someone else goal easy yeah and then you throw in another team that changes every game and it's that ability to adapt to what they're doing throughout the game that actually makes a top level player competitive you've got to know who to avoid what they're going to do and it's the same with mountain biking we can say you can go and race a single trail you could try and set the strava kom on one trail and ride it every day for a couple of months and get super fast and you will get faster on most trails because of that because you're now confident with speed but you also train yourself to ride by memory mm. and so you can yes okay we've said you're now you know your, your motor control is just that you've got some more finesse because you're able to just trust what's coming because you know it a bit and your skills are able to develop because of that because you're less you're less tense because you're less focused you're less stressed everything's happening a bit slower in your mind because there's less to process however as soon as you go to a different trail if you've not practiced riding trails blind or in changing conditions or you know having to make decisions last minute it gets harder we we forget how to actually think and so changing changing up which trail and i love riding trails blind there's is a certain skill level you need to get to to be able to ride any trail blind but most sort of like intermediate trails a lot of riders can just ride and it's like okay you might miss some of the jumps and you might not quite make some corners so smoothly but i'm thinking that you get one chance to ride a trail blind i'm not <laughs> going to waste it so yeah. okay yes stop look at things that are potentially going to cause problems but don't necessarily think you have to stop for everything if you can see a line and you can ride it first time you get there do it and okay you might miss something more fun or cool or whatever but it makes you really trust yourself and that you know that you can just put the bike in the right place and it also means you stop thinking less about all of the things that could go wrong because you're having to only think about is there a line yep it's there ride it better worse options 
smoother, bigger, whatever you want, more efficient, maybe, doesn't matter. You've gotten through it. And that is something that a lot of people don't actually ever really do. They'll ride a trail top to bottom only once they know the trail. Mm. And so I'm not saying just blindly go and ride everything, but I love riding blind. Yeah, it's fun. Well, it was actually really fun to follow you when you were riding blind. That was uh, when you were here in Rotorua. Definitely some screaming in a few cases. Yeah, absolutely. It made it more fun for me because they were trails that I had ridden. You know, but yeah, um, obviously, if it's unsanctioned, unofficial trails that aren't sort of maintained or aren't mostly aren't ridden very often, that's a bit less of a good idea. Definitely. But if they're trails that people are riding, then they're rideable. Yeah, you know, I have an interesting story. Actually, I have two things here. And one of them is, uh, you know, in predicting in mountain biking. I went to a race with uh, Keegan Wright. He's a super sick rider ba based in Rotorua, or at least he was. I think he's in Canada now. He raced on the Da Vinci factory team. And we went to this three-day backcountry enduro. And I remember on the second day, I think it was, he crashed really hard and separated his shoulder. It ended up being a big faff because we had to go to the hospital and all that. And just kind of sit around and we were cold and everything, you know, you know how that goes. But you just remember being cold. <laughs> yeah, I was cold and I was hungry. But he uh, I remember him saying this and it's because we were racing on hiking trails. I think it was uh, White's Bay or something like that. One of those big loops that you do. And they're, they're kind of like walking trails that you race and they're gnarly. And he said when he came over to this blind, this blind rise and he went to go over it. He said the breaking that other people had done before him didn't line up with what the trail actually did. And this is a real interesting thing because he was looking at something I don't think anyone else would have looked at, already thinking about what to do next. And what he predicted would happen was wrong, right? So he ended up crashing. So this just goes to show because he, he's extremely fast. So the, the pace that he's riding at, like he has, he, he doesn't have time to be making decisions based on everything. He needs to basically take a guest, an informed guest, and then execute appropriately to, to make it through that section as fast as possible. That time he got it wrong. But, and he's gotten it wrong a lot because when you're riding at that, those kind of speeds, you do make mistakes. But when you get it right, man, that's when you get second overall at an EWS stage. So, yeah. Yeah, because like riding EWS is a good example because one practice run down a trail is not enough to know the trail. You know the important points, but all the things along the way that you didn't necessarily even take note of the first time. Conditions change when you go back to actually race it. There's been more tires on it. You know, maybe a rock's moved or a, you know, a corner's been blown out. Anything can happen, and you've got a lot of riding doing it. AWS. And so to remember all of it is never going to happen. Like that's why we say three key opportunities, focus on those three, let the rest of the trail just ride it. Because yep. you can't remember the you can't ride by memory on a trail that you don't actually know. No, it's like m trying to memorize a speech. You know, have you ever done like a speech and yeah. you, so you try and memorize it and then you get up there and you make a mistake and you're like uh, it, uh, I forget the next word. And yeah. then, and if you your notes are word for word the entire thing, it's not going to help either. Mm. It's just not going to flow. Because you're, you're eventually going to miss it. Um, about the key opportunities, this is a, a way to get out of a rut too. 
uh, you know, whether it's a rut on the trail or, you know, you're a rut and you're riding. Because we have a friend that did the break ace method on a trail. So he, he, we have a whole episode on the break ace method. Check that out. It's actually become our most popular episode. It's called Four Steps to Faster Downhills. One of the early ones we did, which that's almost like a year ago now. We started doing these podcasts. We talk a lot. Yeah, geez. So he he did the break ace method on uh, probably an easier trail just because it was easier to session. And he he looked when he went to his key opportunities, sessioned them. And generally what he had tried to do is tried to shorten up his braking, his braking zone. So he's braking for a really long time. He's braking really hard. What he what he was able to do is take more outside lines, brake a little bit shorter. He went faster overall. And that's a pretty big win when you're trying to do the break ace method and you go faster. And you could maybe chalk that up to riding the trail multiple times, which yes, there is a learning effect, but you are applying new techniques. And what he did though, the next day, and this was really interesting, is he rode a totally different trail and he applied the same things that he learned on the trail he sessioned the day before using the break case method. And he also got a PB on Strava on the second trail where he didn't even use the break case method. So it's pretty interesting because he, he used obviously the technology that we're so focused on building to get out of the, a rut and to ride differently on a totally separate trail. He didn't even use that technology. So it'd be interesting to actually see like over time how his braking had changed by now riding differently. But the, uh, you know, that's really cool because it can help you. Okay, you want to get out of this rut? You ride the same trails all the time like Matt? You need to ride somewhere new and like not ride it like you're all thumbs? Try this method on the trail that you love and then go ride something else and see if you can apply it. So yeah. Because that's like any, if you go and get coaching, if you do a one hour session, a two hour session with a coach for do some skills coaching and you work on something, okay, breaking, entering corners wider. So you're breaking shorter and maybe not as hard, like something you're doing, or maybe it's, you're actually, you're cornering technique. Like we were talking about in our last episode, you go and you work on something to actually get out of the rut of riding at your same level, the same way, doing everything the same, you have to actually consciously think about changing something. And so going and getting a coaching session does that as well. The good thing with the break case with the key opportunities is we actually show you where you can get that improvement and you can see it. Um, and maybe that's faster time, but also just maybe it's just more efficient, more flow, feel better. And so you then have to go and do that over and over again. And if you see the benefit, then you're just going to want to do that. And so if you've got a good skills coach, they'll make you feel good about what you've tried and what you've changed, that you want to go and change that on the trail. But if you don't actively do that, it's not going to make any difference. The actual hour or two that you've spent with a coach isn't going to make much difference compared to going and spending days of riding trying that. That difference i guess the, the the main thing is like choosing what to do in those days of riding that you do i guess where that's where a coach or break ace can streamline your decision making with what the, yeah, the especially what? when your other source is just watching youtube how-to videos that are not personalized to you yeah you can really waste some time because it might be something you're already doing or it might be something that doesn't really work so well in the trail conditions that you've got or maybe you know, even the bike that you've got might not be able to handle the thing that you're trying as well as that person that you watched on YouTube. 
So yeah, having something personalized definitely helps. It's funny. Um, I've been watching some of the GoPro runs from the World Cups, and I'm looking at the lines that they're taking, and I'm thinking, yeah, but why didn't you take this line? And uh, I'm thinking, uh, oh, yeah, well, that line looks doable. And then, you know, it's funny because obviously the GoPro doesn't really give you perspective unless you've been there. It never whoa, gives whoa, whoa, you perspective, whoa. even if you have been there. Yeah. GoPro effect is unfair. Yeah, it is. Nothing it looks is. cool. Yeah, even watching it on TV, like the the rate the tracks look not very steep. But I can tell you, even even the ones in Crankworks, which also don't look steep, and the hill isn't that big, it's hard to even walk down some of those sections. Like you can't walk down this some of those sections. You have to like climb down. So it is interesting how it's difficult to get perspective just from watching. You know, you it's a sport you got to do right. You can think about it all day. Yeah. Think about like the feeling that you get from executing a perfect corner. And, you know, obviously that's what we talked about in the last episode with Matt Wilkins and got a lot of good feedback on that episode, actually, that, you know, because we, we've kind of finished it with, you gave a tip and Matt gave a tip, like, here's the one thing that you can do to corner better. Think about this one. I can't remember yours, actually. I think it was. Oh, I, I just gave another one from left field because trying to point out that <laughs> there are so many things that come into cornering. Um, no, I was talking about scanning the trail, have a purpose for what you're doing. Yeah, right. That's right. So, I mean, there's no substitute for actually doing it, right? We can talk about okay. it and watch videos. Oh, you can't all train yourself without doing it. Yeah, yeah same with any sport. Mm. So, for you, are you going to go out and ride a new trail? Are there uh, any new trails that have been built in the area that you haven't even ridden? There is. There's this, uh, and apparently it's harder than all the trails that are off the map. So it's called Anxiety, and I haven't actually ridden it yet, but apparently it is extremely spicy, spicier than anything else in the forest. And there, there are some spicy things, let's just say. So I've talked to a number Ooh, okay. of extremely good riders that said it is the scariest thing that they've ridden. So probably not a great trail to just go and blindly ride. Potentially, if you've got someone who can ride in front of you and call out for where you are and what's happening. Like, I love that. The idea of going and riding that blind sounds fantastic. I want to just go and give it a go. Yeah, well, um, we'll have to maybe, get here because I, I think you'd love it. Uh, but yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking back now, actually, to the bike park a few hours south of the city here. Oh, must have been a couple of summers ago now. But they opened up another side of the hill, which was steeper, uh, more elevation, just. Um, but they'd built this new trail, first day it opened, sent people down it, and it was so dry and dusty. Almost no rocks, but the berms that they'd built, just these little patch berms, would just turn to bulldust. It was powder, and you were sinking into it. And then obviously, a few people going down there, skidding around, digging it up. And the trail had been built when there was more grip, when it had been raining and things had been damp. And so it was a struggle to get down it. But at the same time, you couldn't really stop and look at things because there was nothing to look at. It was just this trail that snaked its way down the hill. There was one A-line gap between two tree branches that probably should have looked at. But anyway, uh, I was riding down that with a mate. And I've got a video. I've got to find the video somewhere. 
I think both of us went off the trail two or three times. Both of us got hooked up on trees because the trail turned above them, but just the line that you could be on wanted to put you around the tree. And so you'd try and get above it and just get stuck or you just ride off the trail. And it's just this video is us just laughing at each other the whole way down because we just can't stay on the trail. And going back now, it's easy, it's fun because a lot of those lines have changed. Like where it was a struggle to get above a tree, there's now just naturally been cut in a line around it. And where it was really sort of tough corners, there's a little bit of a rut formed. It's actually getting a bit harder now that rocks are starting to come out of the dirt. But riding that cautiously was never easy. Like you couldn't ever do that just because of these conditions. But yeah, just riding it and just enjoying it for what it was, like it's okay, you weren't ever going to set a record time that's going to last in those conditions. But just being able to do it blind and just going, we just went straight back up and did it again. Didn't matter how many crashes we'd had. Just because it was different. It was mm. a trail we hadn't had a chance to ride any trails like that. Because everything here, once it, if it is dusty and steep, it just gets washed out in the rain. But this was just, it was well built. So it did turn enough that you didn't just get caught in a downhill rut. It was just that because it was so loose and you're turning so much, you're just sliding all over the place. But after riding that trail and going back to the trails on the other side of the hill, they didn't feel steep at all. Like what used to be the steep trails, it's like, oh yeah, this has got a, a little bit that points down, but because it's not sustained, you don't even think about it. It only took those couple of laps. Many crashes, but fun crashes. Yeah, the good then, kind of crash. Yeah. <laughs> That's crash interesting. You don't though. end up in hospital. <laughs> it's interesting that like uh, you say, basically what you're saying is you got out of the rut and everything else felt better. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think yeah, which I've been lucky because I've spent a few years living in different countries in different places and I've like done a lot of riding while there and experience like it just became normal, something different. And then I changed to somewhere else. Like in Canada, I don't think I ever really pedaled up a hill. And so it's not just the type of trails, but also the type of riding I'm doing. And then go to France and yeah, I'd go to there's some amazing bike parks but most of the year would just be pedaling. And like you're saying, it's like old hiking trails. So you've got to start to expect the unexpected and you get to the point where you do just expect the unexpected and you can just flow down a trail that was never built for bikes because you just have to start applying a bit more trials type techniques, but also just know where to let it go, which before riding those sort of trails, like you'd never have that in Australia old like hundreds of years old worn in hunting trails that is just rocky rooty the whole way and then go and ride it and so yeah that just became normal yeah so i guess i guess if we could leave everyone with like one one tip it's like and you know for myself as well get out of the rut a little bit and you'll you'll have more fun and, and learn more overall and try just try something new and i've had positive experiences with that you know especially in bike yeah. setup which is you know another one that we could dig real deep into but yeah. things i wouldn't have normally tried i tried it and the bike feels way better and now i'm set on that one and stuck in that rut so i got a totally new rut to ride yeah 
No, yeah, it's definitely bike setup's an interesting one in that there's some things I just can't change. I need it to feel consistent. Mm. But then you change it, you know, okay, this is good. I'm going to do this. So, yeah, trying to let yourself get out of the rut. Just the little things. Rotate your handlebars forward a bit. Put another spacer underneath your stem. I don't know. Try fatter grips. We talked about handlebar widths at one point. And then, yeah, there's just, it's options. You know, change your tires. It might have always worked for you. At some point, it might have been the best for you, but now your skills and your confidence have improved. As many changes you can try. Yeah. Change is a little bit scary, but I'll, I'll, I'll try that one. I'll try and get out of my rut a little bit, and I'm, I'm going to ride a new trail next time I'm out, and we'll just see what happens. Hopefully it's not too spicy. Yeah, I'll have to try the same. Find something new, or at least not normal. Yeah, all right. It's one of, the, one of the trails I know, but, yeah, that I don't normally ride. We're lucky there's a bunch of trail building happening here at the moment, so things are changing. All right, challenge accepted. We'll have to report on that next time. Okay. Sweet. All right. Thanks for that, Ron. Yeah. Cheers, Matt.